0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of our Off-Road Rhetoric series here on Whiskey Throttle Media. We're here today with SLR Honda's Cade Walker. What's going on, Cade? How are you, man?
1: Pretty good, man. I'm just uh, sitting here at home and uh, living the dream.
0: Hey, so your name's kind of new, at least to me. I know before we record you, were talking about how you're in Europe for 11 years. But before we get into that, just give us a little background on yourself, where you grew up at, when you started riding, how old you are, and just a little bio on yourself for those who don't know who you are.
1: So I'm 25 years old, born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and started riding when I was about three or four. I didn't really take it super seriously until I was maybe seven years old and then started going to Minios. As a Canadian, that's kind of like the number one race to go to in America. And then it kind of just started off from there.
0: Were you a moto kid growing up or were you strictly off-road or did you just ride a whole bunch of different things?
1: My dad raced like off-road in in the woods, but I was always motocross until, until 2021. I raced motocross and supercross my whole life until I, until 2021, then I went off-road.
0: Yeah. And even looking back, I looked at some RacerX Vault results of yours. You won a class at Loretta's in 65s. And then I read some MXGP results. So it looks like you've been, you know, kind of all over the map. I know you went to Europe for a long time. When did you go there? And what was really the deciding factor to, to close up shop here and go over to Europe?
1: I don't really know. I qualified for Loretta's 2011. And then we have the world juniors and the Loretta's it's like the week after each other. And uh, honestly, I think it was just down to like my dad and a little bit of money living in California, go to Loretta's is pretty far. So got this opportunity to go to World Juniors. So I took it with both hands and I flew to Italy uh, when I was 14 by myself to race the best in the world. And uh, I ended up getting, I think, fourth or something like that. And that's kind of how the Europe journey started. Like, I went over there by myself. Everyone thought it was pretty impressive that I just went there by myself. And I dealt with every, everything that was going on pretty good. And yeah, I think that's kind of what happened. and Just kept on going, so, so on and so forth.
0: So what was the road? So you raced that world race at 14. And from there, what did you get into or where, what direction did you go? Did you stay in Europe? Did you come back? Or how did that all take place?
1: So after the World Juniors, I got this offer to stay there. But I was like, I should probably go back home. So I went back to <laughs> California for for a month. And then I went back to Europe for three months and I raced the European supercross championship on 85 and uh, yeah I won a couple races in that and then I had a couple problems and I I ended up getting pretty good in the championship but I was I won a lot of races and I came back I had a couple of injuries so 2012 was kind of like a hovering year from 85s to like big bikes and then at the end of 2012 I got a ride to go over there with Suzuki and then I just kept going like year after year on the same team for probably about six years and that kind of like was crazy because I was so young I went over there when like 14 and then I turned 15 and then I was over there and I just kind of like never stopped I raced motocross and then we got to the winter and it was like go race German supercross when I was like 15 and then I raced all those races and I would come back to the new season so I like never even went home <laughs> and uh yeah I didn't go home for a really long time and uh I just kept racing. I love racing. So that's what I,
0: I just, what I did. So you raced the German supercross and then you were racing. What was the outdoor type series that you were doing over there?
1: Um, I never really raced. I raced a couple of world championships, but I raced the European championship and the German ADAC races. Those are pretty good over there. They get a lot of sponsors and stuff like that. So it was important for the team and the the guy I live with has had his team since like, you know, the nineties, early nineties. So He was kind of like a mentor for me and more or less like a dad uh, because I was so young. So I just kind of did whatever races he took me to. And, uh, yeah, German supercross, Italian supercross, French supercross. And then I raced you know majority of uh, every European round of the championships and kind of whatever fell into my path.
0: Yeah, that would have been pretty crazy. Where were you based out of over there?
1: I lived in Italy for like probably – Out of the 11 years, probably like eight of them. So I lived like just two hours south of Milan.
0: How was that in comparison to you're a 14, 15 year old kid going over there? You're used to, you know, the Canada or the United States. And then you go over there and what was it? Was it like a culture shock or was it, were you just so young that you just kind of went with it? Like, how was it in the beginning? Were you like homesick or were you just embracing the opportunity that you had?
1: The funny part about it is, every time I think back on it, the first year that I went over there and full time in 2013, I raced like 33 weekends in a row on a 250, 250, 125, whatever they had. So I never even like got to the point where I thought that it was different. I just was like, okay, we're going to race, and that's it. So I never even thought about it until maybe I was like, you know, 17, 18, and I was like, wow. But at that point, it already become natural to me. You know, I didn't speak Italian when I went over there but I'm French Canadian so it's pretty easy and Then I spoke Italian and then I went to Germany spoke German you know so I learned these languages once I learned the languages it was kind of easy like it just kind of felt like a home because I was probably because I was so young and I grew up
0: well yeah you figure right you spend when you're younger you know that's called like six to ten I mean you're so young you're really not knowing what's going on to a full extent and then when you go over there you got an age where you're you're old enough to realize what's going on and you know understand things more. so it, you really grew up over there to in in a sense, right?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I learned the good, the bad, and the ugly, I think over there. Um, <laughs> you know, learned from some mistakes, and I grew up pretty fast, probably because I had no choice. But, yeah, when I was younger, like I didn't even it didn't even calculate in my head, I think. I would just go to amateur nationals and win some championships, and it was like, whatever. Then when i went over there it was like i had to go to the supermarket or walmart or whatever to buy food and i was like i was so different for me because living over here i had my parents then i went over there i didn't have that so i grew up completely like in one day
0: <laughs> yeah you think that'd be something like an 18 to 20 year old would do but you go there at 15 and now you're again basically yeah you're staying with somebody obviously they're helping you out but you're having to do a lot of these things that your parents would normally do at such a young age. So you're almost, like, you almost just like you say, grew up overnight. Um, I have to ask, living over there, how was the food? Was is something you now you miss since you're back? What was the food over there like?
1: Well, living in Italy, you have really good food. You know, pizza mm-hmm. is really good in Italy for sure. <laughs> and then I miss Italy how the food is just because it's pretty simple. And I think I lived there so long it kind of became like natural to me. So I definitely miss pizza and then some coffees in Italy. Those are the best for sure.
0: No, that's cool. And so you went over there so early. Were you homeschooled before you went over or were you in public school? Like how did you work out that transition with schooling from living over here to moving across the world?
1: I was homeschooled pretty much from like 2008, I think. 2009, I started to win some championships. So 2008 probably started homeschool and then I went over there and then I did a couple more years of school and then that's it. I, uh, finished high school or whatever I needed to do. And, uh, yeah, I think I was from 2008, probably homeschool. And then until I finished.
0: Right on. And so thinking back, you're growing up racing moto. That's pretty much all you did. And then you're getting ready to go to Loretta's and you get a call to go over there. Did you ever think growing up and doing the moto thing that, you were just going to make that, you're going to have this, I guess, <laughs> really complete transition of what you thought you were going to do in writing and potentially re- making it to the pro level. And then all of a sudden it, you know, plans change and you probably went a totally different direction than what you originally thought you would do. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. I've always been pretty good at adapting maybe because I'm from Canada coming here, going there, it's always been like a move for me, but I don't know. I didn't really think about it too much. I just want, I knew that the most, most important thing for me was to race. I never really calculated like, oh, you know, you can go pro in America and that would be the best. I just kind of wanted to race. And as long as I had bikes and that I made enough money to support myself, then it was good. So I, I never really thought about it like that. I just kind of took it with both hands because if I probably would have stayed over here, I probably wouldn't have had the... The possibility, like financial wise, to go until I was pro. So, I mean, I kind of had no
0: choice. Yeah, and looking back, when you get older and you got to travel the world and race in different countries, experience different cultures, like that's got to be something that not many people get to do. So, to be able to to have done that will probably be pretty special. Something that you've done in your lifetime.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I've uh, every time I come. Or when I ride here and there's some, like, you know,
0: gnarly tracks out here,
1: I always tell everybody, like, you have no idea how many days I've suffered at Lamo, so.
0: Oh, yeah, okay, so you, so you wrote at, you wrote at Lamo. Obviously, I've watched videos and hear horror stories about how good those European guys are over there. Is it just something that you can't explain? Like, how is it riding there and how gnarly are those guys on that track?
1: They're so gnarly, like. I don't know <laughs> to, to explain It's like weird because the bumps aren't, are not like rollers. They're just like super cross whoops all the way around the track. And then the ruts are just like never ending. They're wet and they just keep going and going and going. And, and in, the, in the winter time, those guys don't care. They go ride and it's frozen. I went there a couple of days. It was frozen on the ground, snowing. No problem. like hurlings out there with Koldenhoff, they'll do our motos no problem as long as the bike keeps running they keep going
0: when you watch those guys on that track are you just like dear god how are they going that fast
1: yeah it's (laughs) like watching paint it's like watching paint dry but it's like when you know it's so fast you're just like wow it looks effortless but you know you have to appreciate the fact that it looks effortless
0: And so you stayed over there in Europe. You did, you know, like you said, European races and supercross. How long were you over there? And when did you decide to come back? Or really, what was the decision on why you you ended up coming back?
1: I went there full-time from December 21st, 2012 until November, 2022. And then my decision to come back was really kind of like more some friends that were like, dude, you need to go back. Like, just go for it, full send it. And I was like, all right. Because I was always worried about coming back and like, you know, putting myself in a situation where I didn't have any bikes anymore or couldn't race. So I was like, okay, I had a little bit of money. I was like, I'm going to gamble on myself. So I flew back, went to my dad's house, hung out with my dad a little bit. and I flew to my mom's house. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to give it all I got. And that's basically what I did. I mean, it happened so fast, like for not seeing my family for such a long period of time. It wasn't like I stuck around there for so long, but I think they get it that uh, this is my, my dream. So I just hopped in the truck and drove to America.
0: Yeah, and you think too, you're still young enough to where, you know, you, you went because you went to Europe at such a young age and you were there for a long time, but also you were so young when you went. So you're still young enough to come back and, you know, chase some of the dreams that you have here. So I think you, you've been doing it a long time, but you started so young that you still have that opportunity. Well, before we get too far into that, I want to ask you some personal questions and they're really just fun. Would you rather questions just to get to know you more on a personal level. So the first one is, would you rather travel back in time or travel to the future?
1: Probably to the future. I would say to the future for
0: sure. Is that just more of wanting to know how everything plays out or it just seems more interesting than going back? Because probably going back, you, you did what you wanted to do.
1: I just don't like looking back. I'd rather just look forward, so whatever I did in the past is already done. Whatever I haven't done in the future is more interesting than what I've already
0: done in the past. I think. That's a good perspective to have. Would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? Probably win the lottery. That's been a popular and probably because you can win the lottery and live the one life you want. Right. So that's a, that's been a pretty popular answer.
1: Yeah. Well, if you win the lottery, you could live every day. Like it's your last day and (laughs) probably probably have a much greater life than if you just lived forever.
0: Yep. I would would agree with that. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too hot for sure.
1: I'm Canadian and I'd rather be way too hot than way too cold. And I think everyone that listens to this from Canada can agree with me.
0: Yeah. It it seems like it's pretty cold up there. (laughs) When I came
1: from my mom's house, it was like minus 26. I was like, you know, I'm out of here guys. I'm sorry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> now you're And now you're living in California, so you're like, okay, I think we're good here. Yeah, we're good. Would you rather own your own boat or your own plane? Probably a boat. I would say a boat. I'm not really a big fan of the water,
1: but given the statistics, I think a boat would be better for uh,
0: lifestyle-wise. <laughs> if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, man.
1: Probably pasta carbonara. That's my favorite, so... It's not the healthiest, but is my favorite one. So I'd probably eat
0: that. Yeah, the pasta carbonara over here is probably nothing like it is in Italy. I can imagine.
1: <laughs> so. No, I learned the hard way how to cook that. So uh, <laughs> now I know how to cook it full Italian.
0: Oh, is that are you? So are you? Uh, are you now that you're over here? Are you cooking your own meals, trying to eat? You know, copy the Italian recipes, or has the food thing been a big transition coming back? Where you're like, man, the quality is just not very good.
1: Mm. No, I don't don't really cook that much. I don't really eat out that much either, but uh, I live at Ty's house and he's, you know, we always have some food around here that's always cooked up, but I'm normally like a simple guy. So I eat just rice and chicken and I'm not really like, you know, a big fancy uh, eater. So I don't really, uh, I don't cook that much.
0: Keep it simple. And what is your biggest pet peeve? Who.
1: I would stay. My biggest pet peeve is when people don't listen to, to the whole song. They keep switching songs instead of just listening to it because, you know, that's just annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'll be halfway through a song and they're on to the next. So <laughs> I feel <still> you there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, dude, why?
1: Either that or somebody who does a moto. And you go to do a moto together and then they stop like two laps into the moto and just watch you do the rest of the moto. I'm like, man, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> or someone that jumps in behind you and uh, you have two laps left of your moto and and you're like, really, kid? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a thing at Glen Helen. It happens a little too often.
0: <laughs> I bet. Yeah. You almost need to go out there incognito, blank plates, blank jerseys so no one knows who you are and you're just did not worried about jumping in behind you. Oh, for sure. So I looked back to, so going, switching back to your racing over in Europe, I saw you also dabbled in some MXGPs. I think it was back in 2018 or 2019. How was that? I think you only did a couple of races. Was that just during the off season of when you weren't doing your other stuff? Or was that just something you guys decided to do? Uh, how, and how was the race in the MXGP?
1: It was good. It was, uh, in 2019, I didn't really ride much that winter. I raced a lot of supercross and then I got this opportunity to race uh, two or three of them. I can't remember, but it was pretty good. I mean, I raced the European championship and it races all the same tracks. So I've been to most of the tracks and then just racing the GPs is different two days and a lot of riding. You ride like a long free practice, a long qualifying practice and then qualifying race. And then two motos Uh, it's pretty hard. And then I raced, the, like the gnarlier tracks, the sand ones. So uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I learned a lot. And uh, I think after that, I maybe worked a little bit harder on my uh, fitness side of things because two days like that, it just, it really takes a toll on you.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. And those guys, what's crazy when you think about the MXGP series is how long it lasts throughout the year. Compared to over here, we have super half the year than motocross the other half or other couple months. But those guys are doing eighteen races, and it's or 20 something races and it's spread out over pretty much the whole year. I know they have some breaks in between races and fly away, but just totally different style of racing over there than over here. It's pretty interesting how the two different sides of the world race, but so you may, you came back at the end of 2022. What was your plans coming back? Like, did you have a, a plan for 23, like what you were going to race, where you were going to race, who you're going to ride for, or were you just kind of just taking a gamble and figuring it out and hoping for the best
1: i kind of had a little bit of a plan i knew that i wanted to go back to california because i left from california and i was like it made i made it a kind of a goal to go back so i was like okay i raced the world enduro championship in 2021 in six days and so i was like okay i'm gonna go back race the works in the ngpc series and that's pretty much it i mean I came down, I talked to a couple people. I've been teammates with a lot of Americans in Supercross in Germany. So I talked to some people, found a place to stay, came down and then kind of just went like step by step. And then I probably wouldn't have done very much unless I met Ty because he really took me under his wing and took me to the first race. And he has a lot of knowledge in motocross and off-road. So I really tried to take... steal as much knowledge as I could from him and put it into the racing and when we went to the first race I probably wouldn't have won without his help and uh, he was good strategic with the pit and then I just ended up winning and then it just kind of like started the ball from there like nobody really knew me except for you know maybe Cole Martinez that we've been teammates before and a couple other people but other than that I came out of the out of the shadows for sure. I didn't really have the greatest plan, but I had somewhat of a plan, I guess.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned people really not knowing who you are. Cause I remember when I was looking at the results and I'm like, you know, normally you see guys that race before motor off like desert racing or somewhere they come in race works or NGPC and you you've at least seen their name or heard their name. But I saw when you came in and you said you won your first race, I think you won your first three. Um, yeah, honestly were people like who the hell is this guy or I mean like you said Cole knew who you were but what were people's reaction or did anybody remember you from you know back in the day when you're younger here in the states or were you just so young there that no one really knew who you were
1: I think a couple of people knew me I raced to rat my whole life and Ryan and I are really good friends so I think he kind of knew like that I could get the job done and then Cole Cole's always like told everybody that I could get the job done whether it was You know, me believing in myself, but I feel like a lot of people believed in me, at least those two or three people that knew me, you know, I grew up with Zach Bell and stuff like that too. So they know me, but I kind of disappeared completely off the map. So it's like, it was even a surprise for them when I came back and then, uh, I did win the first three in a row. I switched from the beta to the Honda and I still kept the ball rolling and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just like to win, so I get, a, get it all <laughs> I got every single time.
0: Yeah, and did, did anyone in Europe when you are over there, did, I mean, obviously, you're a young kid. Did Were they like, who's this young American guy, or did everybody embrace you pretty well over there?
1: Yeah, they were pretty – I think I was so young that they kind of, like, took me in as a kid. Like, a lot of people took care of me. Uh, when I went over there at the beginning, I was pretty well-liked, and I always – I was a little bit more polite, please. And thank you a lot. And I didn't really talk to many people. So I think that at the beginning, a lot of people in, enjoyed me over there and, uh, it was pretty good. They were a little bit mad that I, you know, came from America. They're like, maybe send them <laughs> back. But, but, you know, I was over there to party and, uh, they didn't want me to the party.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, this is why I like talking to you guys from the different backgrounds um, is, is people out there don't realize the different opportunities there are out there for riding a dirt bike for a living, right? We're so stuck in this bubble of pro motocross and supercross, and now you're in the works um, in GPC, and that's still obviously here in the States. But when you look over and then you think of Europe, people think of, you know, just MXGP. But you have, like you said, Australian Supercross, European Supercross. There's so many different ways to ride a dirt bike for a living. And maybe not everybody wants to go that route, but it also is an opportunity and a route that you can actually go to continue to ride a dirt bike for a living. Oh, for sure. Most definitely.
1: I mean, a lot of people are maybe stuck in that bubble, but it, in my opinion, it just depends on like how much you've sacrificed and how much your family has sacrificed. Like all these kids who go through the amateur ranks and their parents give them everything. And then you get to pro. Like my whole thing was that I never really wanted to let my parents go through all that for nothing. So like, as long as I keep racing and I keep doing good, like it makes me happy because then it's not like they sacrificed their whole lives for, for nothing. So that's kind of my pro- My perspective on the whole situation and just how I go out there and give it everything I got all the time, just because they gave everything to me as a kid. So I'm just
0: going to do it back for them. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we see it a lot. And we talk about the bubble, right? These amateur kids come up, their parents spend, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get them to the level. Then hopefully they get picked up by a team, but we see it a lot of these times where these guys will go pro and Maybe they're not ready or you just need some time. I think some people need more time than others and they'll get spit out in the sport in two years. And then you won't hear from them. It's like, man, they, they did that their whole life. And then they, they don't seek other opportunities outside of pro motocross, supercross, or, you know, some do, but there's a lot of times you just never see these guys again. It's like, man, they're obviously talented on a dirt bike. We saw what Osborne did. He, he, was a top amateur, came in the pros, maybe wasn't prepared, but they went went to Europe, put his name back on the map, came back. So, like, there's ways to do it, but I just don't, again, I don't know if some of these kids, like, after they get washed out over here, if they want to do that again or if there's, it's just, if that's something that people really know and think about.
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I just know that the grit that Osborne had, if, if a lot of other people had that grit, you know, they could do something like, Osborne went over there and he really like he grinded it out. And then he to come back and do what he did back here, like really should show everybody like that it's possible. There's no question. Because he never gave up. And that's that's kind of how I try to be like I've known Zach since I was a kid, and I always thought he was cool as a kid. And then when he went over there and then comes back and does what did what he did here, it's like, man. I'll just do the same thing. If I can't just make it right away over here, then I'll just do that.
0: Yeah. And you think, right. He was a highly talented amateur, had all the support, didn't really have a good go at it. And then a couple of years he didn't have anything. And so he almost, he almost had to swallow his pride and go to Europe, which he probably didn't want to in the beginning. But like you said, he grinded it out and ultimately came back and won championships and things like that. So that's a, it's definitely a cool story. When you were over there, did you get a, Cause you guys were probably over there at the same time. Did you get to ride with him a lot or were you guys in two on two different programs? How did that go?
1: I went over there actually when he just came back. So I didn't really oh, make, yeah. like, yeah, I didn't match up with Zach, but I raced with him at a couple supercrosses. He came over when he rode for Husky mm-hmm. like in Genova and some places like that. So, but I've always been like, I've always liked Zach just as a person. So talking to him, is just super easy. And I always like to talk to him. He's, he's got some good advice and he's been around the world. So yeah, he's definitely got some knowledge behind him too.
0: Yeah. And he always has some cool stories, you know, about sure. time in Europe. And it, he's just a fun interview to listen to because uh, he's pretty transparent and just seems like a down to earth guy. So it it's definitely a cool story that, that he has for sure. Um, but so you mentioned coming back. So you started on a, on beta and now you're on the SLR Honda team. You know, that was a pretty quick switch, uh, and you can go in as much detail as you want, but when you came back and you had an opportunity with the beta and then, all and then SLR Honda came, came around. How did that all uh, transpire?
1: Well, I got this opportunity to ride some bikes from Canada. So the betas. So I took those down from Canada and then I won the first race. And then all I wanted to do was stay down here and race. So I didn't really have like much going for me. I mean. I just went out there and did what I had to do, and that was win. So after that, I had a couple of people talking to the SLR Honda team on my behalf. And then it just – somehow I met Mark at Glen Helen on Thursday one day, and I just told him, like, dude, I'll do anything. Like, this is really my dream. So it's my dream to be on that team. So now I'm living my dream. And, uh, yeah, he called me up. I think like that afternoon I was like, Hey, you want to race this weekend? I was like, for sure. (laughs) So uh, I hopped on that bike and I gave it all I had. And and that's what I've done every single time. Those guys do a lot for me. And, you know, taking me on, not from like, you know, already from a couple races in, in the season, I'm really appreciative of of that because they didn't have to. So every time I go on the track, I just remember in my head, like, man, these guys believed in you. So don't leave any stones unturned and uh, give it all you got.
0: Yeah. I wonder if you asked Mark, uh, back in November, if he would have thought he had a guy named Kate on his team when the pro two race, if, if, if he would have even know what you were talking about, you know, like how everything transpired so quickly. Um, that's gotta be a pretty cool thing for you and both and the team. So, and, and Mark, right. He's been around a long time. And I think the SLR Honda team is a really good team on the off-road side of things, you know, they got support from Honda monster. I mean, you guys, you guys, your bikes look sick and you guys have a cool setup at the races and you have some really good guys on the team. It just looks like a good program to be on.
1: Oh yeah. Every time I go to the race and I look at the truck and I look at the bikes, I'm just like, yeah, this is where I want to be. I put the Honda shirt on and you know, you see monster on it. It's always a kid's dream to have either, you know, a monster sponsor and stuff like that. So now I have that and I just don't want to let that slip. So every time I get on the track, I make sure that I give it 150%. And uh, just in general, like whether it's helping out the team or whatever I have to do, I'm just thankful to be there and I'm thankful for what they do for me. So as long as you keep the camaraderie between the team and myself and all the teammates and the ball rolling, should be good.
0: Yeah. And how have, how have the races been? Is this the first time that you've ridden these off-road races on the West coast, uh, with the NGPC and are you, are you doing the NGPC and the works or just NGPC?
1: No, I'm doing the NGPC and the works. Um, I haven't ever raced them, uh, on this. I never actually raced off-road in America before, but I've been to some of the tracks. Like I've been to Glen Helen. Actually I've only been to Glen Helen, but <laughs> uh like most of the tracks are kind of you know fun for me like sandy like blythe is sand Havasu is Sand, i like those and then glen ellen is like 20 minutes from where i live so it's the local and uh yeah i like that that track's always been you know if you if you complain about going to glen ellen you got some problems so that's just my theory on it and uh whatever there, there's a lot of new tracks that I haven't been to, but I try to take it with both hands. And I feel like we have an hour practice on Saturday. If you can't learn the track in an hour, then you, you got some problems for sure.
0: Yeah. And I, I Glenn Helen, the, the off-road race uh, there, they're, they're super fun. And like you said, it's, I, I've done a couple of them and it's probably one of my favorite off-road races to do. I'm actually up from Bakersfield. So you raced the Honolulu Hills GP, I think it was in February. I think that's the first one you went to in one. Um yeah. totally, totally different style than uh, a Glenn Helen, wouldn't you say? <laughs>
1: For sure. It's definitely different dirt and a totally different style, but um actually I like that dirt. That dirt kind of reminds me of Europe a little bit when it gets dry. So mm-hmm. I was just kinda just I was just riding the ride at that track, try to miss all the square, square edge. Square edge,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got lucky and uh, the weather was good and um I think this year it was a pretty good, they had a handle on the track conditions, but yeah, there's a lot of times where you'll though those square edges are hidden in some of that, I call it moon dirt, but it's they're that powder. And so it, it can be pretty tricky, but that's always a fun one to go to too. And it's local. And I, like you mentioned, that dirt is different than a lot of places, but I, it, they have a pretty good setup over there.
1: Oh yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm excited to go back there.
0: And so you guys are on your summer break right now and i know you're i mean you're for the ngpc looking at it right now you're second in points but you didn't even race the first race right so what are your plans for this break that you're on now and and what do you want to accomplish for the rest of the year
1: yeah i didn't go to the first race so i was pretty far behind in points now i'm 5 points behind in the ngpc championship and there's two more races to go it's a 5 point gap from first to second so uh my goal is to Be take it down to the wire to the last race and may the best man win at the last one. Uh, and then my goal in the works is just to win the rest of the races. Like the championship is a pretty far long shot, but at least I can try to win as many races as I can until the end of the year. So that's my goal.
0: And I would like to ask the question for you guys that race those two series, you know, you're going to a lot of the same places, um, or venues, pretty similar style of racing. I know the works has some gnarlier pro sections sometimes. What's the biggest difference to you between those two series or are they pretty similar to you?
1: They're pretty similar works does have some more like gnarly pro sections. So it kind of reminds me of like racing the world championship in Europe, but I like both of them. I think that the only thing that they have is just NGPC is like just a little bit faster. Maybe the works a little bit slower and, more techie but they're both really good championships and they're really not that far off like similarity wise
0: yeah and i think a lot of teams and that's their thing too is there's a lot of there's more support than people realize in these off-road series right you have your team that's the Honda team rockstar husky factory beta and then you have some of you know, the others like precision concepts kawasaki pervine Gemma. there's a lot of good guys and a lot of good support out there that, you know, unless you're in the off-road scene that people probably don't even realize.
1: Yeah, probably not. I mean, a lot of people are kind of stuck on supercross and motocross, but, um, there is quite a bit of support on the off-road side. And, you know, if you, uh, if you do good, then there's going to be more support. And obviously the more people, the better for the the whole sport off the off-road, I think. So, yeah, there's quite a bit.
0: What are your plans for this summer break? Are you just kind of hanging out or are you just back to the grind doing your normal thing and getting ready for the, for the races coming up? Kind of
1: back to the grind. I try not to like wear myself out too much because there is quite a bit of time before the first race that comes back. But I went to uh, Washougal the other a couple weeks ago to race Ricky Dietrich's money race that he put on uh on a 450 and that was super cool the team let us go up or let me go up there with my teammate and uh we we raced that it was super awesome super nice to be at Washougal I haven't been there forever so I did that and there's a couple other races that you could kind of like dabble in so I try not to let myself like get too lazy and race wise I like try to keep myself keep myself in in shape on the race plan race thing but yeah we'll see
0: so you're going to finish out this year. NGPC works like it's, uh, you're pretty close in points on both of those. And again, you didn't even race the first race. Get through this year. Have you thought ahead to 24? Because I know right now you're in the Pro 2 class. Have you thought about for next year? You're going to stay in the Pro 2, or are you going to move up to the the 450 Pro? And or have you even thought that far ahead?
1: Uh, I try not to think too far ahead because my goal at hand right now is to win the championship in the mm-hmm. 250 class. But I'd rather go to the 450 class next year, just because uh, I call the 250 class the puppy class, and then you know, the big <laughs> dog. The, the big dog class is the big dog class. So I'd like to battle with the big boys, and all my all my friends are up there in the big in the big boy class. So I'd rather get my job done in the 250 class this year and know that I did that, and go into the 450 class for next year, and uh, that would be a dream if I could have that.
0: Yeah, and you can kind of compare your your times, you know, compared to the 450 class. I know obviously you're on a 250, but you know a lot of times you guys will catch up to the gates in front of you, right? So you can and then you can see your lap time, so you probably know kind of where you stand currently and you know how far off you were or you are maybe if of the top guys. But um, it's kind of nice that you for the first year you came in and, and got your feet wet in the 250 class just to get a get your legs back under you, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. The works is actually cool because they take away the time difference between the 250s and the 450s. So, like, Havasu, I got uh, third, and then Blythe, I got second overall, and then I got another third or something like that. So um, it's pretty cool. There's still three races left, and honestly, like, I know it's kind of a long shot, but I feel like if I get a good start and I get out front right off the bat, I'm going to pin it to win it the whole two hours – my goal is to try to win the overall on the 250. I know it's a long shot, and I know that's probably pretty hard, but I've gotten second overall, so I feel like there's only one more place to get, and I, I kind of want that just to to check that off my list.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's that's really impressive um, to do that, especially against those guys on 450s. And these tracks are really fast. You know, I mean, I'm sure your 250s pretty quick too. But you're definitely down on some horsepower on like Blythe and uh, 29 Palms and things like that. So um, that that's impressive for sure. Has has Mark been pretty impressed with you? And have you been bugging him about re-signing you for 2024?
1: I haven't really said anything about signing me for the next couple of years or next year. But I think. I obviously know, like, he knows what I want to do. And Marcus really, like, he's a humble person, you know, so he tries not to let you get, like, too big of a ego, I think, (laughs) you know. Because, you know, you win one race, but there's always another weekend. So Mm -hmm. he's really good at that, and he's got both feet on the ground for sure. So I really like working with him just because of that. And uh, I haven't really talked about next year with him. I just want to do what I came here to do, and that's win the championship for the team obviously for myself, but more for the team because they put a lot into me and that's what I want. And, uh, I feel like if I do that, maybe who knows, maybe I will get a 450 contract for the next year.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, man, I appreciate you hopping on with us today. I think it's a really unique and cool background that you have, you know, when I reached out and I was looking at your background, I'm like, man, I didn't realize one I saw that you came to the series this year didn't hear your name before and then I started looking you up and I'm like man he went over to Europe he was over there for a long time and then and now he's back so you know as for as much as I was curious who you were I'm sure there was a lot of other people that you know that you didn't know before you uh before you went to Europe so I think it's a cool story you're back and you're pretty much right where you probably wanted to be, right? I'm sure you've had some bumps and bruises along the way, but you probably couldn't be more stoked with how it's gone so far.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, not all – and not every day that it's – it's uh, sun is shining, but, you know, you got to go with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I've honestly had, like, some pretty good races. And, you know, the, the championship is stacked. There's a lot of fast guys, and I just try to put myself in the best position to – to do what I do. And that's when, and I've, I've had a good year so far. It's not over till it's over, but so far it's been good.
0: Well, awesome, man. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to the people that make it happen for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I just like to thank Mark Samuels and the whole SLR haunted team, all the mechanics over there doing a really good job, monster fly Alpine stars, Dunlop, all the other guys. That help us out on the team, obviously, uh Kai Davis for letting me camp out of his house and all the knowledge that he gives me on a daily basis so uh just thankful for everybody that helps me and uh for sure, let's keep the ball rolling,
0: yeah, definitely well we appreciate you taking the time to do this with us today. It's been impressive what you've done so far. I'm sure people now are aware of what of who you are now with the results you've had since you come back so Good luck in the rest of the year and let's see if you can, you know, cap off a championship or two.
1: All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me.